This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity in Houston, Texas, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America. Please join us for worship on Sundays at 8, 9, and 11.15, and visit us online at holytrinityrec.org. Enjoy the sermon. Our sermon tonight comes from Genesis chapter 3. We will be looking specifically at verses 4 through 5. You will be like God. The story of the fall is a strange one, not because it's not true, but because of the background and the characters. Adam and Eve are in a perfect relationship, in a perfect garden, enjoying a perfect existence with God. These are the only two human beings in history that knew what it meant to have unbroken communion with their Creator. They had everything going for them and no concerns as to their safety, their health, their relationship with each other, or with God Himself. Given the mandate to subdue the earth and to be fruitful and multiply, theirs was a simple yet important life of being God's image bearers. Trouble comes, however, as a serpent, who we understand to be Satan, or the devil, approaches Eve and tempts her with the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Despite many popular renderings and spoofs of this particular episode in the Bible, the temptation didn't center around a piece of fruit, which is generally thought to be an apple, though the text doesn't really say that. As the serpent nudges nudges Eve to break God's prohibition to eat the fruit, he reassures her that the act won't result in death. Far from it, he says. God knows that when Adam and Eve partake, they will be like God. They will be able to know good and evil. It was after this that the story takes a plunge, and Adam and Eve decide to break God's command and partook of the forbidden fruit. In their desire to be like God, they instead fell away from him. While God was merciful in that he didn't immediately take their lives, he introduced chaos into the world to remind humanity that it wasn't on his level. The man would fight the ground for food. The relationship between man and woman would be one of manipulation as each tried to gain dominance and control over the other, something that we see to this day. What was even worse was their eviction from the garden and the God of whom they enjoyed such close contact, walking amongst the plants and animals found therein. Since being cast from the presence of God, man has tried to recreate Eden himself, substituting himself for God in the process. We see this repeated throughout Scripture. Tower of Babel, for one instance. Various leaders and kings throughout the Bible would try to place themselves in God's position. We see Pharaoh... In the book of Exodus, various kings such as Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, the various Caesars in the New Testament, and others. In times closer to our own, we can point to men like Hitler, Stalin, other dictators who demand total allegiance and either wittingly or unwittingly try to insert themselves in God's place while all the while trying to snuff out any hint of the one true God that always seems to make his presence known anyway. 
In fact, it doesn't even have to be a single person who tries in vain to usurp God. We find that the state in general tries to become a God, promising to meet all the needs of its citizens and try to create a utopia in which no one is ever hurt, wanting, offended, or pestered with the thought that what they really need is reconciliation with the God of creation. To admit to such a need would mean that man would acknowledge it needed to be obedient to him rather than to humanity's attempts of achieving perfection and thereby usurping God. We don't even have to go as far as national and international politics to see people trying to be godlike. Every time any one of us lies, cheats, manipulates, lusts, slanders, kills, we are telling God we think we are better than him, that we, in fact, deserve to stand in his place. We fail to realize the effects of the curse go really deep within ourselves. While many wouldn't want to admit it, people hate God. Just like stubborn little children trying to get their own way, we would rather go along and try to make life work our way than to reach out to the one who would make all things right. If it weren't for God's sovereignty, we would drive ourselves mad, all the while kidding ourselves that we have achieved some arbitrary goal of enlightenment and man's evolutionary march to perfection. Even in the midst of the curse, however, as God so often does, he provides hope. He provides a sovereign plan of redemption. He tells the serpent that, serpent that enmity will be put between his seed and the seed of the woman. This part of the curse is known as what is called the Proto-Evangelium, which is known otherwise as the first gospel, with the seed of the serpent being those who are disobedient to God and the seed of the woman ultimately being Christ himself. While the seed of the serpent would attempt to eradicate the promised seed by bruising his heel, Christ would ultimately defeat the serpent by bruising his head. This prophecy's ultimate fulfillment began in a manger in a tiny out-of-the-way town called Bethlehem as the promised descendant of David and son of God, Jesus, was born. Despite Satan's attempts to tempt him and ultimately to kill him by means of his own seed, Christ crushes the head of his nemesis by means of his death on the cross and subsequent resurrection. All these followers of God or all those followers of God, both before and after that event, are thereby saved from the curse and God's wrath by Christ's blood and will experience final victory at Christ's second coming. Those who trust in Christ are freed from the curse, no longer enemies but adopted children of God, having been given a new heart by the Spirit himself and cleansed in the blood of the Lamb. The fall can rightly be called the greatest tragedy in history. Unlike many tragedies, it contained a promise, a promise of redemption from the failings of our common ancestors. Where once there was chaos, harmony now returns. Rebellion is replaced with humility, a humility that says we can't be like God, but rather need him. All this is ultimately accomplished by the Son of God, the seed of the woman, the baby in the manger who would grow and crush the serpent's head so that his people could be free forever as adopted sons and daughters of God, retain, obtaining their glory that had been lost so long ago. And this is all to his glory. Amen.